the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plumb Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. And you'll find their latest resource, Glad You Asked, answers to 12 tough questions about Christmas that you need answers for. You can pick up a copy of that book when you go to that website, r4h.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, on the broadcast today. I'll continue my discussion with Dr. Ken Keithley, who has written a book called Salvation and Sovereignty, A Molinist Approach. We're discussing Molinism from a biblical worldview. That term is something completely foreign to you, or even if it isn't, and you know a lot about it, stick around here, and you'll learn some more and maybe be able to share your thoughts and comments with me when you reach out to me at this email address, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors. EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns. 623-537-3657. Abundant Life Landscape, your irrigation repair specialist. Call them at 619-277-2410. And by Charles McLucas, Jr., founder and CEO of Charitable Trust Administrators, Inc. Learn about the benefits of a charitable remainder trust at ctai-ca.com. Support for The Plumb Line is also provided by Simple Turn. Their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. On today's edition of The Plumb Line, it is part two of a broadcast with my guest, Dr. Ken Keithley, director of Bush Center for Faith and Culture and senior professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. And we are talking about Molinism. I'm not going to go back over the ground here of kind of defining it. Well, actually, in our discussion, I'm sure we'll get into, you know, the various facets of it as we continue to break it down. But if you missed out on the first part of this, just go to places where you go for podcasts. Take Spotify, for example, put in the plumb line with Jay Rudolph, and you'll be able to listen to the first part of this broadcast there. But Dr. Keithley, thanks for coming back on here. And I'm looking forward to talking about flowers here as we start off the broadcast, which for anybody who follows anything about Calvinism and now Molinism here, and I guess the Arminians, they don't really have a flower acronym to my knowledge, but we've got tulips for the Calvinists, and then we've got the roses. And so just start there, if you would, and explain what we mean here, what the facets are of these acronyms and how they differ. Yeah, I do think that the Arminians have an acronym. The TULIP acronym was actually developed in response to the Arminians' protest 
was a remonstrance, which was a, a formal protest against some of the things that were going on in Holland at that time. So at the city of Dortek, which is the Senate of Dort, they responded on those five points. You know, the TULIP acronym, T-U-L-I-P, the original Senate of Dort doesn't actually follow that order. Actually, it starts with the unconditional election, but then that, that would spell ULTIP, and that doesn't spell anything at all. <laughs> so they rearranged it. So uh, T stands for total depravity. U stands for unconditional election. L stands for limited atonement. I stands for irresistible grace, and P stands for perseverance of the saints. So that would be the TULIP. Yeah, and I'll just bring up right away, as I'm looking at the introduction to your book, which is dealing with God's sovereignty and salvation and the Molinist approach. And uh, by the way, people can you know find that book. I've found it on Amazon. You can look it up on Amazon. Just look up Dr. Ken Keithley or Sovereignty of God, Salvation, Molinist. Uh, you can probably put in any of those in the search and come up with it. But this TULIP approach here, there are aspects, and you and I are of one accord in this, aspects that you would concur with and see as being sound biblically, and then there are a couple others that you don't agree with, right? Yeah, I think that I do want to affirm that salvation is of the Lord. It is a sovereign work of His. So I do affirm the idea that there's something sovereign and unconditional going on. So I do believe that you and I are saved because of election. Now, God chose us, so therefore we choose Him. And But I want to also affirm that we choose Him freely. So therefore, even though I hold to unconditional election, I don't hold to irresistible grace. In other words, I do believe that it is possible to say no to Jesus. It is possible to say no to the gospel, to an offer that was really, really there, and to a genuine work of the Spirit. Also, I do believe that Jesus died for everyone, uh, and not just for those who actually say yes. So I don't hold to limited atonement. So the two points on the TULIP acronym are limited atonement and irresistible grace that I have a problem with, which is why sometimes the Molinist position is called three-point Calvinism, because we, we affirm three of the points, but not two of the others. And then they'll say, well, you're just an inconsistent Calvinist. It's like, no, actually, I'm a very consistent Molinist, but that's, that's where the difference is. Uh-huh, yeah. All right, well, that brings us to Roses, then, because the Roses addresses those points of disagreement or contention and gives us some different names, I guess, here. So explain, even total depravity has changed to radical depravity, but go ahead and explain the Roses acronym. Yeah, so R stands for radical depravity. The problem with the expression total depravity, it makes it sound as if Every lost person is always as bad as they possibly can be. And you and I simply know that that, as a practical matter, is not true. There are lost people who are good citizens. I know lost people who lost men who love their wives and pay their taxes and take care of their children. What total depravity is trying to say is that the whole person is affected by the fall and even the good things we do, like paying our taxes and loving our wives, and it's still affected by sin. So that's why we use the expression radical depravity that emphasizes that every aspect of my being has been affected by the fall. And so therefore, it has rendered me incapable of pleasing God or to turning to Him of my own accord. So therefore, we need to have a work of overcoming grace, which is where the O is. Like I said, irresistible grace makes it sound like 
we are just robots, our sock puppets. And I know a lot of good Calvinists that will say, no, 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 I want to understand God's operation of grace to work in a more overwhelming or overcoming way. And that's what we're trying to say in the, in the uh, Molinist acronym of ROSES. So R is for radical depravity, O is for overcoming grace, S is for the sovereign election, and there it is familiar with the, very close to the unconditional election uh, way of thinking. E is for eternal life, and that is, we do believe that Christians are both preserved and a truly saved person will persevere. And then the last uh, one of the S, I call it singular redemption. If I ever write another edition, I'm going to change that to sufficient redemption because what we affirm, rather than limited atonement, that is that Jesus died only for the elect, we're going to say no, that Jesus' death is sufficient for all and that Jesus truly died for all. But only those who trust him receive the benefits and the atonement is applied only to those who trust Jesus. So, to go over there again on uh, roses, it's R is radical depravity, O is overcoming grace, S is sovereign election, E is eternal life, and S is for sufficient redemption. Mm. Well, I want to take each one of those because I have a question or two on every one of them, so hopefully we can work through these. But one thing that you point out with this, uh, the first radical depravity here, is that the Calvinist and Molinist would agree that uh, our depravity, you know, whether you use a radical or total depravity term, and you describe it this way in the introduction, it renders us incapable of saving ourselves or even of wanting to be saved, correct? Yeah, our natural orientation of our lost state, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is unambiguous. There's none that does good. There's none that seeks after God. There's none righteous. And so, therefore, we need to understand that this is a universal condition. And in this way, both Calvinist and Arminian, would, and, and Arminian, too, I need to emphasize this, across the board, all Orthodox Christians agree that we do not have free will in that we would naturally turn to God, that there has to be a preceding or prevening work of grace. God's grace has to make the first move. And that is something that not just all Protestants affirm, that's something that, I mean, Eastern Orthodox and even Roman Catholics, everyone affirms that there has to be first a work of grace before any of us would have the inclination to turn to God. Mm, yeah, yeah, and that kind of lends to what I've, how I've always considered free will is in, you know, choices and decisions and things that are apart from salvation. I guess we could say when we talk about free will, it doesn't really relate to our salvation. Like, well, oh, okay, I'm going to choose God now, but rather it refers to other choices and decisions that we as humans and not robots have the ability to make, right? Well, but here's the thing that I would. This goes to the next one because you've, we've moved over to the O of yep. overcoming grace. <laughs> yep. Because even though it is by God's grace that I'm able to say yes, the choice really still is in front of me. And so therefore, when someone hears the gospel, they have this awesome and awful responsibility at that moment. When Jesus is presented to someone and the Spirit of God deals with their heart, what they say, what they choose will determine their destiny so that he who believes on the Son will have everlasting life. 
But he who does not believe on the Son, they will be eternally separated from God. And so the choice really is there, and it's a choice that each and every one of us really must make. Now, if we say yes to Jesus, it was because we were enabled, empowered by his grace. And if we turn away Jesus, we rejected a grace that really was there. That is one of the places where Molinism is different from Calvinism. Mm, very well put. I appreciate that. And that, of course, begs the question that I don't really want to go there because it's a little bit off topic, but at the same time, I can see in the listeners' minds might be going there because you mentioned when someone hears this, but what about those who never hear the gospel? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the Molinist approach to this, and William Lane Craig, who is probably the leading uh, author on uh, all things Molinism, he argues that God ordained a world in which everyone who would say yes will have the opportunity to say yes. And so that would be one approach that I think that at least approaches answering that very question. The missional uh, answer to this is, is that you and I have the responsibility to make sure that every man, woman, boy, and girl in this world gets the opportunity to hear the good news of the gospel. That's what we're called to do. And we are a unique generation in that we have the tools and the capacities at our fingertips. If we will make the best effort, we can in this generation make sure that the question of what about those who've never heard, that's simply a hypothetical one because we've made sure that every person has had a clear presentation of the gospel before them. We have the ability to do that. And I think that by God's grace, we should make every effort to make that happen. Yeah, amen. Well, and that discussion or that question that I asked leads right into the ass of sovereign election here, because our belief here, and the Molinist belief anyway, is that God does desire the salvation of all, right? Yes. And even good Calvinists at this point, they end up sounding an awful lot like Molinists. There are two different types of understanding of election in Calvinism. One's called superlapsarianism, where you have this double decree where God chooses certain ones and he actively chooses uh, the damnation of the others. So you have the elect and the reprobate. You say, well, why did he, you know, he loves sworn and he hates the other. Uh, that's known as the double decree, and that's very much a minority view within Calvinism. Most Calvinists are called infolapsarian, and they would say that the whole world is lost due to its rebellion in Adam, and that God permits the world to go in its way, but then he, from those that are lost, in an inexplicable way, he actively chooses to save certain ones. So what about those who end up dying lost? Did he send them to hell? Did he ordain their damnation? No, they would say he allowed or he permitted it, which a lot of people uh, miss that debate that's going on within Calvinism. The Molinist position just takes that and says, well, that's exactly the Molinist position, and that is that God does not send anyone to hell. Everyone who dies lost did so because they chose, and everyone who is saved uh, is saved because God ordained a world in which they could be saved. And so there is an unconditional choice on the part of God to create this particular world, this particular world, Jay, in which you and I had the wonderful privilege of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ and getting saved, and we were 
in an environment that God ordained in that you and I said yes, and we said yes freely by his grace. That is a sovereign choice on the part of God, and that's why we call it sovereign election. Mm, yeah. Well, the last two in this acronym of ROSES here, I'm just going to fly through and just kind of repeat what you have already shared about them here with a little bit of an additional word. And then if you want to get into those more, we can after the break, but i got to get to the break here. But eternal life is the E in ROSES here. And that old term, as you say, perseverance of the saints, is what was used. But uh, I kind of view this in the sense that the reality is our perseverance displays that we are believers, and we have to be careful. We don't want to make people think that our perseverance is what gives us, you know, assurance of salvation, because it demonstrates or displays that we have faith, and our perseverance only comes because of God and his work in our lives. He's the one who gives us the ability, the strength to persevere, and so all glory to him. That's just a quick note I'll make on the eternal life one. And then S, again, uh, singular redemption is what it says right now in the ROSES acronym, and it teaches that Christ died for all, not just for those who would receive or who would believe in him. And so that's just a quick summary of that acronym. Lord willing, we'll get back into that a little bit more if we need to after the break here. But let's go ahead and break from this conversation with my guest, Dr. Ken Keithley, Director of Bush Center for Faith and Culture and Senior Professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Joining me on the plumb line today, and I would love to have you share with me your thoughts comments questions i have no doubt that a topic like this will stir up a number of questions and comments so you can share those very easily by just emailing the plumbline radio at gmail.com i will definitely get back to you some of those i may have to forward on dr keithley's way if they're a little more complex than i can answer but uh, feel free to share those at this email the plumbline radio at gmail.com thanks for tuning in Proverbs Payments is a partner with The Plum Line in helping me to raise the funds necessary for broadcasting this gospel-proclaiming show. Proverbs Payments is a Christian credit card processing company who is kingdom-focused instead of profit-focused. To learn about how they can benefit your business or ministry, visit ProverbsPayments.com. Thanks for tuning in to The Plum Line. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I have really been enjoying visiting with my guest, Dr. Ken Keithley, Director of Bush Center for Faith and Culture and Senior Professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina. We're talking about a book that he has written about the sovereignty of God and salvation from a Molinist approach. And again, if you missed any of this and don't even know what we mean by the word Molinism, you can find this broadcast both parts of it when you go to Spotify and put in the plumb line with Jay Rudolph. And we have just a few minutes left. Well, I wish we had an hour or more left, and we could use even more than that amount of time if we really wanted to do this justice. But I guess that's a good promotion for the book. Go to Amazon and get yourself a copy of the book, and you can learn all you need to know. Great book by Dr. Keithley. But I want to start this final segment here by sharing that, you know, Molinism is an effort to do what thousands, millions have tried to do over the ages, and that is with the realization that God is sovereign, that man has free will. I think those are concepts that probably the vast majority of believers subscribe to, but how do we reconcile that in our minds? And one thing that I want to say is I appreciate you know, the development of this theory, I guess, or approach, 
But in my view, it's it's one of those things that it's great to discuss and think about, and it's really good for our minds to kind of think through these things. But we'll probably never get to a full and complete understanding of this, right? Oh, certainly, at least not in this side of the veil, for sure. The book is not attempting to explain that which Scripture has left unexplained. What we're attempting to do with the Molinist model is show that it's reasonable to believe what we believe the Bible affirms, two truths. One, that salvation is a sovereign work of grace, that salvation belongs to the Lord. And two, humans really are agents who are able to choose and are therefore responsible for their choices. You know, so what we're doing is providing a model that shows that it's a reasonable thing to affirm both truths. There are a certain number, at least three mysteries that I, there at the introduction, I, I say, I'm going to leave these unanswered if you want to cover those now. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about those briefly anyway, and then hopefully we'll have time for you to sum this up. But yeah, you've got three mysteries, and I read these, and I'm like, yes, they are definitely mysteries. <laughs> yeah, the origin of evil, I do not know why Lucifer. I mean, <laughs> my daughter, when she was just a little girl, said, why did God make the devil? And I said, well, he didn't make the devil. He made him Lucifer. said, uh, well, didn't he know when he made him that he was going to do what he did? And I said, yes. And so, well, why did he do it? And I said, well, darling, it's time for bed. You know, I don't have an answer <laughs> for that one. So the origin of evil is left as a mystery. Why God chose to create a world in which evil comes about, again, is another mystery. In Molinist language, why did God actualize this particular world? I don't know. I trust that God is as good as he says he is, and that he is truly holy, righteous, and good, and he had very good reasons for doing it. And the third mystery that I leave unanswered is how exactly God knows what free creatures will decide and choose. If we really are free, and the choice really is in front of us, and the choices really are contingent, well, then how does God know them? Well, there's a couple of models But that's one of those things, again, a third thing that I'm going to leave unanswered. In philosophical circles, this is known as the grounding objection to Molinism. And say, okay, you say that God has this perfect knowledge of what free creatures would do, even the choices they don't make. How does he know? And the answer is, I don't know. You're asking me how it is God is omniscient. I just have to leave that as a mystery. So I'm more than happy to affirm those mysteries and many others. But what I want to affirm is the Bible teaches that God is sovereign, salvation belongs to the Lord, and yet he has provided a salvation that each and every one of us has the opportunity to say yes or no to, and we will be held responsible for that choice. So therefore, we urge everyone to say yes to Jesus. Mm, Yeah, amen. Well, I appreciate that. There are so many mysteries that we just will not comprehend. That's why his ways, his thoughts are so much higher than ours. And yet, uh, it's a lot of fun to do as we've been doing here and discussing this matter, talking about it. But as you say here in the introduction, the mystery of God's omniscience simply does not keep me awake at night. I think that's a good philosophy. You don't want to get to the point where you're like, you know, worried about it or staying up at night because you're so concerned about it or Yeah, well, there's so much more that we could bring into this discussion, but we have just a few minutes left, and I want to give you plenty of time for 
this challenge, I guess we could say, and it is kind of a challenge because we've spent a couple of broadcasts talking about Molinism, and now I want to ask you to boil it down to just a, a couple of minutes or so of what do you want the listener to take home? Somebody, you know, tuning in, maybe they just tuned in at this second. They've never even heard mm-hmm. the word Molinism. What do you want them to take home? I want them to take home this idea, and that is that this conversation that we're having among Calvinists, Molinists, and Arminians, this is a debate at the dinner table. This is not a battle uh, out in... We are not enemies uh, at war with one another. We are family members having an earnest discussion so that each and every one of us would recognize that uh, those who name the name of Christ, they are our brethren, and that we are always to remember uh, certain doctrines we we go to, we die, we're willing to die for. I mean, those gospel truths of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished. And if somebody is going to deny those, then we have to say, "Sorry, but we're not you know we're not brethren." And 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 that is a tragic uh, truth. And but there, you know that that. We, we we will put that as a first-order category. The kind of things we're debating about here, how God is sovereign, how humans choose, these are secondary debates that are serious but not worth uh, dividing or looking upon someone as somehow not a Christian. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Keith Lee, and I want to just say that folks, again, can find Salvation and Sovereignty, a Molinist Approach at Amazon, I'm sure at other booksellers as well, and I think it would be great if people would get a copy of that, because you know, we hardly were able to scratch the surface, but got out some important points here, but I'd love to have people dig in more deeply uh, with that. But thank you for being with me. I'm glad to do it. Dr. Ken Keithley, again, he is with Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in Wake Forest, North Carolina, and the author of the book Salvation and Sovereignty, A Molinist Approach. And I appreciate you joining me for the plumb line once again, and I hope you'll come back for the next edition as we tackle a different topic or issue from a biblical worldview on each and every edition of the plumb line. My email address is theplumlineradio at gmail.com. I'd love to have you reach out to me, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on The Plum Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.